Welcome to The Secret Life of Parkinson's, a podcast trying to break the barriers and stigma around PD to lessen the fear. It's a disease no one likes to talk about. When people hear Parkinson's, they're afraid, even if they don't know exactly what it is. This podcast is led by Parkinson's patients talking about their daily life with PD. I'm your host, Jessica Krauser. Hi, and welcome back to The Secret Life of Parkinson's. Today, along with Brian and I, we have a very special guest with us, uh, Matthew Moore. Matthew, thank you so much for coming in. It's a privilege. Thank you. Um, I'm really excited to ask Matthew a lot of questions that Brian and I have. Um, Matthew is first, I think, an artist. He's also an educator. He's the founder of Lamp and Light Productions, Mm -hmm. and he is a producer and playwright and actor in a two-person play about Parkinson's, mm-hmm. and that's what we're here to talk about today. But before we get into that, oh, actually, and you're a young onset Parkinson's patient. I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> um, so before we get into uh, the the meat of what we want to talk about, which is the play, mm-hmm. um, tell us about yourself. Yeah, artist and educator. So I've taught uh, at the collegiate level for 23 years at Cedarville University and at uh, Moody Bible Institute and taught theater and communication classes. I directed a lot of plays. And all along, I was sort of an avocational artist. So I'd Mm -hmm. be in plays uh, downtown Columbus. And I went to Chicago at some point. So we performed in Chicago. Where? uh, At uh, various theaters. You know, one of the fun things I did in Chicago was part of a group that said, no director, uh, expert actors in a bar. So there was no director. We had one rehearsal and we performed Shakespeare in a bar. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, and it turned out to be one of the best memories I have of That's Chicago awesome. for sure. That's awesome. I love sure. Chicago. Yeah. So um, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's in 2019, and uh, have followed a you know a path. And my experience with medical professionals there sort of led me to write the play. Mm-hmm. And. I just wanted to have a better connection with my neurologist. Mm -hmm. And I had bad connections with neurologists in Chicago. And I thought, these are important people in my life. They need to understand where I'm coming from. And I just, I wanted to create something that would better that gap, right? Reduce the gap between patient and doctor so that they understand where I'm coming from. We talk about that a lot, about the connection between your your movement disorder specialist or your neurologist and and the patient, making sure that's Mm -hmm. right. You know, there's so many, there's so many people we hear, we hear story after story of people that just saw their uh, family physician, their mm-hmm. G, the general practitioner, and you mm-hmm. know, just just nightmares. Yeah. So you started this because of that relationship. So it, I did. Wow, that is really interesting. Yeah. How? Um, it's but it hasn't happened yet, right? Right. The premiere of the play is coming up in okay. mid-September, so we're in rehearsals right now. It took me three or four months to write the play, okay. and we had a workshop of the play, so I got reaction and changed the script and you know, worked on it, revised it, so it's coming around. And um, when, or you said it's in, it's in September, right? Mm-hmm. Is it open to the public? Like- it is. So... My primary focus is to get it in front of medical professionals like neurologists and caregivers and therapists. Um, But, you know, 
part of it is just informing people about Parkinson's. Yeah. You know, people know about Alzheimer's typically or dementia more than they do Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. So part of it is just educating the public. So we are having uh, open to the public performances just before uh, I perform it for neurologists at Ohio Health. Okay. What's it called? It's called What I Didn't Say, A Journey Through Parkinson's. And without, you know, giving away everything, like what are some of the things that you walk through or that the, the play shows? Yeah, well, the play is based on interviews. That was important to me so that it's not just my imagination of what people are thinking and going through. Uh -huh. So I interviewed a dozen people and um, created the script based on those interviews. Okay. Um, so... It kind of tracks the story of a guy named Paul, and he's sort of a, a compilation of people that I interviewed and myself. Mm -hmm. So he just goes through being diagnosed, um, walking the next steps forward, kind of getting worse as he goes, mm -hmm. you know. And I think it dives into um, well, I think doctors are a little incredulous about why people aren't doing what they've been asked to do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> doctor says do this, right? And, mm -hmm. and people don't always do it. Sometimes they do, but why we don't, you know? The, what, like exercise yeah. or therapy or? Well, the anxiety and the depression and being yeah. tired and being fatigued and, you know, there's a lot of reasons why I should be exercising but choose not to on mm -hmm. any given day. And I think neurologists don't, hear or understand that necessarily mm -hmm. they don't know the conversations that are going on at home with mm -hmm. spouses and partners and so it's kind of like peering in on the life of someone with parkinson's mm -hmm. for people who just don't have you know much orientation to that or so are there things that you yourself learned about the disease or with other you know people with parkinson's um that you learned along the way as you were putting this together? Yeah. So I have some basic information like the stages of Parkinson's mm -hmm. and I bring up the pseudo pseudo bulbar effect. Do either what? of you heard of this? Right um, well, it's a sick and twisted <laughs> side effect of Parkinson's of uncontrollable crying. Huh. Uh, pseudo bulbar. So I don't know. I just dove into a few things that are, um, you know, that you would find on the internet. Part of it is people doing research, you know, mm -hmm. people in the play researching things online, which is not necessarily <laughs> the not, best place to get bad place to information <laughs> about Parkinson's, but that's what people do, right? Mm -hmm. You go home and Google something, and yeah. uh, next thing you know, you're, you're paying attention to that. Um, what did you do when you was, were first diagnosed? And we share the same neurologist. So yeah. when she diagnosed you, what did you, go home and do well or think I went home and cried yeah I, I, I think a lot of I went out in my car and and bawled for a little while mm -hmm. but uh, you have to regroup and regather and I was actually diagnosed in Chicago oh. and then came to Columbus and okay. so with Dr. Malone um, yeah I had a long talk with my wife and we decided you know this is what it is and we're going to move forward and we're going to try to do it together. Did you know what it was? Like to your point, like everybody knows Alzheimer's or, you know, other diseases, but did you know? Well, I went through a lot of testing, you know, uh, at first they didn't think it was Parkinson's because of my age and, um, how, 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 yeah, how old were you when you get diagnosed? I was 49. Okay. 
Um, so I went through all the stuff, MRIs, DAT scan, PET mm-hmm. scan, the neuropsychological exam. Oh, yeah. Oh, holy moly. Um, How long was yours? Three hours. Okay. Yeah. It was brutal. Makes you feel stupid. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't do that. the, the, that's like kind of like the same thing that I think you I probably did. do. Yeah, when I put up in Cleveland. Yeah, when, before when you did your DBS. Yeah, I didn't do it. If I didn't do it when I got, first got diagnosed. I didn't do it when I got diagnosed either, but when I, last year when I got off of Repinerol, because it was a bad side effect for me I was getting, hmm. and I didn't feel strong with work and other people were saying, no, you're fine, you're fine. I told Dr. Malone, I'm like, I want to take this mm-hmm. ne- like neuropsychology test or is that what it is? Mm-hmm. And so it, it's like the three to four hour test, similar to probably what you took. Um, did you do that right at the onset or did you ask to have that done? Well, they suspected that I, I might have dementia as well. And okay. so that's why I took the exam. Mm-hmm. I actually have a little funny story about that, which okay. is <laughs> part of the exam is they'll ask you something like, name all the words that you can that start with letter whatever. Mm-hmm. So she picked F. And for since I was a kid, I've told this story that uses all F words. Not bad ones, the good ones. Yeah. Right? It's the story of the prodigal son, but all using only words that start with F. So <laughs> she said, go ahead and tell me all the words that you know that start with F. And I just started saying the story one word at a time. And she was little suspicious, particularly when I got to the word farthing, you know, and so I just went through this story one word at a time. And so I just kind of blew out that portion of the (laughs) neuropsychological exam. Like, I'm good. good. This guy's so smart. He knows 75 words that start with F. (laughs) What is funny though, like just you saying that, I remember um, at gym, at our gym class, Melissa will bring up every once in a while, she'll say, you know, say words that begin with why, or we would be doing an exercise. And I remember before I got on um, Carbidopa Levodopa, I don't know if that is how it got better or not, but I literally would struggle with thinking of like a second word. Yeah. Like, okay, I can think of yellow, but I couldn't think of like, every time the why came up again, I'm like, uh, yeah. I got nothing. But now I can actually, I can do much better. So did, was besides the word F or letter F, <laughs> did you have issues with that? Or do you see um, that in, any improvement? Yeah, I've taken it twice. Um, oh, have you? And so I scored a little better and a little worse. Yeah. I, it's kind of, yeah. uh, we didn't get really clear results out of it. So going back to the play, mm-hmm. um, what are you hoping that this brings to first the uh, medical group, medical community, and then also to just yeah. the public. I think empathy and understanding. So mm-hmm. understanding what goes on at home for neurologists and medical professionals to know, oh, this is how this person feels. This is why they're not, you know, I've asked them to find an exercise group, but mm-hmm. they don't seem capable of that or they're not going regularly. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. So this empathy of like, you know, this, it's this whole thing that, it, you know, we all secretly, if we could, magically have someone experience what we're experiencing for 15 minutes. You know, yeah. that whole thing, like if you just kind of understood and experienced this for just a little while, you would know more. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm trying to do. Of course, that's impossible. But, you know, this is how I feel. Yeah. And, uh, and and you're part of a Parkinson's 
exercise and community and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. and we've, that's a big push that both of us talk about, you know, having those people there to support you and stuff like that. So that's, yeah. to me, to me, that was the biggest, uh, best thing that happened to me, you know, getting in with, uh, with both exercise groups and mm-hmm. being around people that understand when you say, I'm not having a good day. They yeah. know what it's like, right? Because you know, as much as your spouse might try to, she doesn't know what it's like to mm-hmm. to have a bad day with Parkinson's. Yeah, no, yeah. that's exactly right. So. And so those conversations, the way people think and feel, and so it's uh, it's emotionally honest. I'll tell you that, right? I don't think it's a depressing play. It ends with with hope, mm-hmm. and and uh, but it's emotionally honest. I think so, it'll be. Uh, I was going to say, I think it'll be really good for. Um, ex- the extended care partner group. It will be, yeah. Because I know a lot of our um, the, our friends at the gym that uh, watch the podcast. They're like, you know, I, I share it with my my kids, my relatives, this and that, so that they can get a peek into some of the things that we deal with without me having to say it. So yeah. this is the same yeah. thing without somebody having to bog them down all the time with this is how I'm feeling all the time. Right. They can watch it and at least get some sort of clarification. I think the advantage here is that it's art, right? Yeah. Art can be powerful as opposed to a lecture about mm-hmm. some aspect of Parkinson's, which of course is fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, theater is storytelling yeah. at its highest degree. Yeah. And so it can be very powerful. I love so it. we were talking beforehand a little bit and you'd mentioned that you'd received some grants. Yeah, so partial, I have, for partial funding. Make it, partial <laughs> funding, yeah. So I applied to the GCAC, the Greater Columbus Arts Council, and uh, won a grant there. And then from the Ohio Arts Council, uh, including a grant for Ohioans with disabilities okay. who are artists. So. Yeah, it's, it's great. Those are resources that I've, we didn't even know were out there. You I know. know. Or, you know this, yeah. That people need to take advantage of. And there's certain parameters, but it's really open for... Mm-hmm. For artists with disabilities in mm-hmm. particular so are you still doing like you do aside from doing this play are you still working are you active in the theater community still or yeah yeah so i just played a role uh two months ago okay. so uh, hamlet so it was downtown columbus uh-huh. with the, the schiller park and uh yeah so i have a lot of fun you know my tremor is pretty significant and so i have to think carefully about what roles I take and I always talk to the director ahead of time like I have Parkinson's you need to know that and so we negotiate that and um, you know the art the arts community is very open and and helping I think and so uh, actors with disabilities are are welcome Mm -hmm. so did you have how did you feel in the beginning telling your directors, uh, you know, when you were diagnosed? Well, it's a big battle, isn't it? Like, do mm-hmm. I say this? Mm-hmm. I've been interviewing for part-time jobs. Like, do I tell these people that I have Parkinson's or don't I? And, you know, what are they going to think about that? Yeah. So, but in the case of being in a play and playing a role and mm-hmm. not always be able to control my tremor, you know, they have to know that. Yeah. So... You know, either you're playing a character who has, you know, this Parkinson's symptom or (laughs) you can kind of hide it. I've learned some tricks and I can mask it pretty well, Mm -hmm. but. Didn't Michael J. Fox, didn't he He, he play a role? Yeah, he did. He played a role. There was a, yeah, he tried to play a role where he, the guy, the 
the character had Parkinson's. Yeah. And I'll, if I'm totally honest, and I'll say selfishly, that's one of the reasons I wrote this play. So I can be in a play and still have my Parkinson's symptoms. Yeah. And it, it doesn't matter. No, I mean, I think that's, I think a lot of us, especially with young onset, choose different paths. Yeah. So, I mean, similar with me, I, I, I now work part-time I'm in marketing, but, you know, finding the nonprofit that, you know, we, a group of us have started to support Parkinson's patients. It's like, that's still like my marketing mm -hmm. going that way. And even the, the podcast, it's, it's just, it's giving me an outlet, but now using i don't know using my disease for the good good yeah <laughs> right yeah it's like weird to say that but i'm i'm so excited to see this play yeah so who's in it with you krista stauffer she's a, a well-known uh actress in columbus and so she plays five different roles okay which is a lot of fun for an actor i mm -hmm. think you know and so she's she's enjoying that process although you know she we had we talked about her playing the role of a Parkinson's patient and mm -hmm. decided not to do that. She just wasn't comfortable mm -hmm. saying, "I just don't want to portray," you know. And so I, we I don't want an imposter. Yeah, yeah. I, I understood. <laughs> if you where need she was anybody, I did take an acting class. In college. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about that. That's good. And I teach acting too, so, so you can teach come take one of my things. classes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, are you on any medication, or do you? Are, you... Yeah, oh yeah, plenty. Okay. Resagiline and mm -hmm. Mirapex and Cinemet. Okay, so and, at least uh, you feel like it, you're somewhat in control a little bit with the symptoms. Yeah, or... yeah. I didn't. My particular thing. I to this day, I still don't have the on-offs that are, mm -hmm. are real clear. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't feel either. like medications helping my tremor hardly at all. Mm -hmm. I mean. Sometimes in the morning, I take it in the morning, and I think, oh, that's better than, you know, five minutes ago when I was still in bed. Mm -hmm. but, See, I've never had the tremors, but I later, so I was diagnosed in 2015 at the age of 40. And I, same thing, I didn't know on and off for the first couple of years. People talk about an off time. And I was like, I don't, now, if I don't take my medication, I definitely know this at all. Hmm. So how many, words, how many years would that be? 2015 you know the first probably three or four years i didn't notice it yeah but as okay. the disease progressed mm -hmm. like i said i i would notice all of a sudden like i would be like oh no i didn't take my medicine do yeah. you take your medication at the same time every day no that's problem. <laughs> okay so i actually i did a little segment on this because i remember coming in to see dr malone one time and and I was telling her my symptoms of what things felt like. And she's like, so when are you taking them? I'm like, well, you know, with breakfast. So around, you know, it could be around seven or like lunch, but it could be any time between like 12 and two. And she's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Yeah. She's like, you're not taking this at the same time every day. And I'm like, well, around the same time. She's like, it, she's like seven, 11, <laughs> three. And now I take one at seven o'clock. She's okay. like, so I set an alarm. So, and that made a huge difference. Did it? Yes. Wow. Okay. So in a in your tremor. Yes. Okay. Tremor, and then I have like the my foot like always oh, gets yeah. rigidity and tension and stuff like that. But I noticed a like a cleaner or smoother day. I don't know. Yeah. It just. But again, I'm I'm like you. I don't always see like the complete on off. Like I do more so now than I have before. But take it at the same time every day. Wow. 
I have to try that. Mm -hmm. It's the half hour protein thing that throws me off. I never pay attention. I know. Like, what am I going to eat? You know, and then, the, well, now I got to do a half hour after or before. That's what I always or, struggled with too. And some, you know, we've had some doctors say like, I think it's more important to take it on time, right? Than it is than with sure. the protein thing. Yeah, you're, like you're the doctor. <laughs> yeah. um, I know a lot about it. All I know is if you can take it with a, a tall glass of water, mm. so that it gets through your system. They just say not to have that, that much protein around it, just so it can digest faster. Right. So, but try taking it at the same time. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. I, I, I seriously, well, I need to do that. We're helping people one by one. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. Did you have something? No, I don't. Oh, okay. Um, so. Again, the, the play, you're doing it a one-time deal in Columbus? We're doing it twice, okay. uh, uh, <clears throat> September 16 and September 17. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, Friday and Saturday. Mm -hmm. So Friday night's at 7 o'clock and Saturday at 2. And uh, tickets are pay what you will, sort of donation at the door. Okay. So if you want to come for free, you can come for free. Because you kind of you just did this all on your own, right? I did. With the grants. Yeah, with the, the grants. So I still have things I need to pay for, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I wanted to do it for the community and, and um, yeah, I want people just to know and understand more. The greatest thing that could come of it would be talking points of just mm -hmm. like, what he said, do you really feel that? Or mm -hmm. what she said, do you feel that? And mm -hmm. you know, for people to connect on a, a really deep level mm -hmm. emotionally, yeah. help understand each other, I think is important. Well, I'd love to keep talking, um, <laughs> you know, throughout the throughout the course of how your play is going, because yeah. the reason why we wanted to do this podcast was for the very same reason of bringing awareness to all different aspects, like all different patients. Everybody experiences mm -hmm. different emotions or physical things, the medication, the everything. Um, and so how do we make sure people are educated about that, but then how they can also help themselves. Right. So even like what you're doing, it's, it'll be a great social network. And that's something I keep reading about is how important, you know, exercise is huge. And alongside that is being social. Yeah. So having a network and of people who you trust, who will listen to you, that you can listen mm -hmm. to them. And, and I think that that's going to go a long way too, but, mm -hmm. um, but I can't wait to see it. I'm so excited. And part of the performance is a talk back, which is a fancy theater term for a discussion. So oh yeah, the play is only 45 minutes long. Okay. And so there'll be 20 minutes of sort of a guided discussion for people to talk about the play and wow. the themes. And you can you know. talk, Jess. You don't have to just sit there. <laughs> Thanks. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> for people like me, no, that's great. Well, that's the point for people to yeah. have a, a talking point, literally. Anything else that you'd like to share at this point, or no? Come and support the play, and uh, it's it's a wonderful location in Hilliard, and um, I appreciate people's support. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We really mm -hmm. appreciate it. Thank you. I'm really excited to hear more. Um, again, like maybe after the play, we can get to yeah. and see how things went. Well, you need to hear the parable in F sometime. The story with all the F words. <laughs> that is, I love it. I'm gonna. I gotta tell my kids that because look at. They're like F words. <laughs> Always have to be careful with 12 year olds. None of the bad ones. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what makes it even better. <laughs> well, thank you again for coming. Thank you. Um, I, I just like to wrap up and, and share with everybody. Uh, we're going to have available the dates 
um, and the location for those who are in Columbus that can hopefully catch um, this wonderful play. And, uh, and hopefully we will hear more from you and we can share more uh, as we continue to learn more. So thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next time. The Secret Life of Parkinson's is produced by Melissa Carlson and Steve Brandenburg. To contact us, email info at thesecretlifeofpd.org. The Secret Life of Parkinson's is not responsible or liable for any medical advice, diagnosis, course of treatment, or any other information obtained through this podcast. The information provided by The Secret Life of Parkinson's is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard on this podcast. You are encouraged to consult a physician for a definitive diagnosis.